You're listening to the podcast of River of Life Christian Fellowship in Durant, Oklahoma. Visit us online at rolcf.org. Say, I, I, I'm learning how to be a pastor. You get these projects, you start them, and you leave. Yeah. Whenever people come to do them, come back, finish. I like that. I could get used to that. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so busy. <laughs> busy all week. Got people working at the church. I got to go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Got an announcement. Yes. It's your birthday today. I'll give you a gift that you'll never forget. I'm going to sing solo. No, just kidding. You'd never forget that. That's for sure. I'm saying. Well, happy birthday. I'm at least 39. Uh-huh. All right. I'd pick 21. Just a reminder that on, on September the 3rd here at the, the church, uh, it's a Friday night, we're having a, a town hall type meeting, and uh, everybody is more than invited. Uh, we're going to invite the whole church, you invite your families, invite your friends, uh, the, per, the person that's going to be uh, our guest, our host of it, whatever you want to call it, is, is they're going to invite their uh, their people should have, I'm guessing, 200 people in here. So we want to be a part of that as a church. Uh, we are going to start being more active. Some things we're going to talk about on Sunday night, but we're going to start being more active in the, our involvement. Instead of just letting the world dictate to us what we have to work with, we're going to start dictating to the world what we want. Amen. So <laughs> we'll just put it that way. Yes. Uh, we're sp- I mean, Republican, Democrat. Yeah, Josh it, gonna be here. It, it's not a rep- yeah, Josh. And, uh, he's going to speak about uh, how Christianity and politics go together and how you can do it. He's, uh, he got my attention the first time I met him because somebody had tried to make it. Okay, and that meant something to me. And, uh, talk, but I, I've met him several times since then and visited with him in Wings. And I feel like he's a very good person. Oh, really? You know he's going to get me there, free hamburger. <laughs>
Well, there's been very few politicians that <laughs> make any kind of impact on me. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, he didn't strike me as a politician. So, but anyway, again, and uh, we're, we've got some things in the, we're, we're going to begin to emphasize as a church and get involved with. We're not going to get involved with Republican or Democrat. That's not the issue. We're getting involved with godly principles and holding up a standard, whomever carries it. Amen. It's not a political, you know, swaying people this way or that way. It's this is what the Bible declares. We're behind this. And that's why we need to get involved. Amen? Amen. And that's pretty strong preaching for me. Ask my wife. I don't. That's pretty strong preaching. I've been guilty. You're finally old enough to vote? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's pray. Let's stand up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Everybody, just let's just stop and Father. Right now, we just choose to focus in on you. We take charge of our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions. We take charge of our blood pressure. We take charge of our lungs. We speak peace to our bodies right now. Peace to our bodies, peace to our heart, peace to our minds. We take control of our thoughts. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ right now. Your word tells us we have the ability to take them captive. And so we choose right now by faith to take them captive. And we think about what is righteous, just, pure, and holy. We think about your word. We think about your presence residing in us through us may we begin to see your presence and your power and your anointing resonating from within us to the people around us so that our shadows begin to touch and heal people may we see it may we expect it because that's what can happen I thank you for your word coming alive in our hearts Holy Ghost you're the great teacher no one can teach things of the Spirit other than you. We call upon you now to teach us things concerning the Spirit. Open the eyes of our understanding. May we see into a realm that we hadn't seen before. May the glory be a reality. May the kingdom of heaven be a reality. May we see it. May we be aware of it. May we carry it everywhere we go just like Jesus did. 
Holy Ghost, open the eyes of our understanding. We know so much, we understand so little. May we not lean to our own understanding, but on revelation knowledge from you. All God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen. You may be seated. Last week we talked about uh, God's, uh, the, the key, the heart key for, the, uh, for last week and this week is God is a heart God and He's working in my heart. That is something that we said, that is something that we projected. Hopefully you wrote it down just like on the board in grade school or high school or in college, wherever you got caught, <laughs> you had to write on the board, I'll be quiet in class a hundred times I hope and if you didn't I hope you do it today this week God is a heart God and he's working in my heart I don't need to know that about you even though I do need I know that you need to know that you need to know that God is a heart God and he's working in your heart even if you don't feel it. See, that is the confidence. Philippians 1, 6 says this. I'm confident. Everybody say confident. confident. I'm confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in me, he will perform it. I think, I believe with all my heart, I can trace back a change taking place. The first real, like, I was going through change or transformation in my Christian life from, from being in the Marine Corps and so forth and so forth. But when I got into Christ for the Nations and heard this, this simple, funny-looking man get up and teach us a simple song based out of Philippians 1.6, and I'm not going to sing it, because I'm confident of this very thing, that he has begun a good work in me. He will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's all the song says. That's as simple as it is. And we sang it for a half an hour. I'm confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work. You see, I can't forget it. It's embedded in me. It's affected me. You know, it's, it's, it's us having confidence in what he said he would do in our heart. He said... He would do it. All we have to do is believe. See, God's done a lot of things, but it's up to the, uh, the ones that receive it and, and live in that truth are the ones that believe it. To them that believe. You've got to believe. Um, and heart physics class, we're talking about a lot of things about the heart, and that's why you, you need to write this down. You need to, if, if you could chisel it in wood, if you could do something with your fingers, if... If you could hear yourself saying it back to you, if you had the old cassette tape speaking, or maybe you got it on a computer, say it into the computer and let your, hear your own voice say it back to you, that God's a heart God, and He's working in my heart. Or just read Philippians 1, 6, over and over and over again. I'm confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in me, He will perform it. I tell you what, when you get... When you can just get at rest, see, most of us are still trying to perform Christianity. I, I, I'm excited for Christopher. He's starting his ministry, starting to preach and teach. But I know what he's going through because he's worried about his performance. How did I do? How did I do? 
Every time when you start a new job, you're always, of course, in the secular world, you better be worried about your performance. You know what I'm saying? You should have the best performance, by the way. How's that? You should have the better performance than anybody else. But in here, it's God that's working. And you have to trust. There's a place we're going to talk about it again tonight, entering that rest. To be able to sit back and trust that it doesn't mean you're not going to do anything. It just means what you do, you're doing it because you know it's already done. See, Jesus went to the cross. Everybody understand this? When was Jesus slain? See, he was slain before he was crucified. That'll just make you think right there. Book of Revelation says he was slain before the foundations of the world. He was crucified here. So it was already done in the Spirit. It was already accomplished in God. And all Jesus did was fulfill, walk out what he had already seen take place in the realm of the Spirit. The Scripture says this, Run the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's already there before us. And it talks about Jesus, says, looking unto Jesus, who endured the shame set before him. He endured the cross and the shame for the hope that was set before him. You know, he saw the finished product and he just walked it out. If we could just see God's will for our life and just walk it out, knowing it's already done. You know, if you know it's already finished and all you got to do is go do it, makes life it doesn't make you the it doesn't make you the victor or the victim. You understand that? Should I say that again? That's not on my notes. I should I don't know why I'm getting off on this. If you go out and do what's already been done, it doesn't make you the victor. Jesus is the victor. He's the one that accomplished. We're going to talk about it in the book of Hebrews in a second. The scripture says that we're more than. The battle's been done. We're more than the one that conquered. We're not greater, but we come behind the conquering and we establish the kingdom. We set up the kingdom. The battle's won. The kingdom of heaven is here and we need to take it out and begin to set up, establish the principles of the king. We need to speak the oracles of God, the scripture says. When you speak, speak with the oracles of God. The book of 2 Corinthians says to speak with the oracles of God. Not your opinions. I hope our opinions fall in line with the word of God. If they don't, we better be changing our opinions. <laughs> this is our opinion, okay? And so it, it, when it talks about being more than a conqueror, it's talking about a whole different mindset. See, for so long, the church has become a victim. You know, it's just like, oh, well, we'll just do good down here and hope we do good enough to make it up there. No, it's not about us making it up there. It's about having dominion here. It's about making this come to pass here. See, you're not going to need healing in heaven. You need healing here. This is where God provided healing is here. But we don't see it. We need to walk in it. We need to manifest in it. And uh, last week we talked about the say back, you know, about the, the instructions from the captain and and, and all we're really doing in worship is saying back to God what He has already determined in His Word. His glory, uh, as we go along, we'll talk about the word glory, but glory literally means the reality of God. See, whenever God's glory showed up on earth, people were what? <gasps> Amazed at the glory because it wasn't natural. It wasn't normal. It, wasn't, it was different, right? 
Everybody know what I mean by different? You know, when axe heads float, when people get raised from the dead, when people get healed, blind eyes get opened, people are amazed at that because that's not natural. It's not normal to us. It's normal to God. See, God's reality, we call it glory. You understand what I'm saying? It's when His reality becomes normal to us. If we take our TVs over to Africa, there's places in Africa you could take a TV, and if you could get signal, you could, and they would, they've never seen a TV before, they would think that that was a miracle. They would think that that was a supernatural event because it was not according to what was normal to them. See, anytime you take someone outside of their normal, they think it's strange. It's a sign and a... See, signs and wonders really are God's glory. It's what's natural to God in our natural. And they collide, and we always... <gasps> because, see, that's God's glory. That's what's normal to God. Loving the unlovable is normal to God. Raising the dead, healing the sick, blind eyes, prosperity, signs and wonders of miracle. That's, that's a normal thing for God. That's his reality. Everywhere Jesus went, what happened? Signs, wonders, and miracles. Provision, protection, guidance, direction, internal healing, external healing. Where there was no, not enough fish, there was more than enough fish. Provision. When Jesus took those loaves and fishes, and you need to understand this, when he took those loaves and fishes, and the scripture says that he looked to heaven. You know the scripture? You know, everybody thinks he took the baskets and he went like this, and he, he just blessed them. He looked up and made his prayer because of the out... We just heard about, about external circumstance, you know, that he just did this. No, he got his vision set. He prayed according to what he saw the provision in heaven. It says that they were in the wilderness. They're, what they needed to provide for that many people was not in the natural. So he refocused his vision on, on God's provision in heaven, saw that it was in heaven, and he said, according to this, we have this. And began to push, uh, bring it out, and the provision came according to that, not according to what the natural had in the wilderness. He simply reached up into the kingdom of heaven brought down what in this realm what we need they needed at that time to feed the thousands of people it's that simple us being able to look up into heaven seeing god's provision and apply it in our everyday life whether it's healing deliverance prosperity a peace joy happiness it's all there for us amen all right so really saying back is just us agreeing with god's word saying it with our mouth I encourage you, speak things out loud. Say things out loud. I'm confident in this very thing. He's begun a good work in me. He will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Say that and say that and say that and say that. Record it. Listen to yourself say that. You each have a, uh, a CD. Did you get one, Johnny? Uh, it's there. Still don't have it. Well, I didn't want to knock your eye out and really wing it out there, but... You each have a CD. This CD was real simply, I know the man that produced it. Don't be scared. There's nothing on it that, everything on it will help you. It's subliminal. It's real nice listening. You will go to sleep. Uh, real easy to go to sleep by music. Do not listen to it in your car. I'm serious. Oh, come on. 
don't. I listened. I mean, I was doing. I, With the motor off, I hope. But but there, there there's nothing but scripture behind the music. There's nothing but scripture being spoken, uh, and you will receive it. Uh, just try it. That's all I can say. If you're going, oh, there's no way I'm going to do that. I'll wake up eating cheeseburgers, you know, or because there's some kind of weird message in there about cheeseburgers. No, there's no weird message about cheeseburgers. <laughs> but uh, we have had numerous I mean the f many numerous, many numerous? Yeah. We, we quit counting the numbers of people that have we, we don't we just give it out we don't sell it you know they just give it out numerous many numerous as we call it uh, people are just we sleep better we had one family that they had quite a few children and they would have like chaos in their house and they started just playing it 24 7 in their house and, and just, he said the change in our house you know, there's power in the spoken word, people. Speak the word. Sing the word. And it's subliminal. Well, you can a couple places. You can kind of, if you listen real faintly, you can hear it. But, but just, just enjoy it. Uh, don't worry about whether you fall asleep. Hope you do. You can still learn while you sleep. Uh, last week we also talked about uh, your reality is what you honor. I tell you, there's something very important about you honoring. If you don't honor, number one, yourself, the scripture even says a man can't love his wife unless he loves himself. Oh <laughs> Are you in trouble? <laughs> no. You have to learn. <laughs> if God, say, say, if God loves you, why can't you love you? Because you're looking at one thing that you're looking at your past that God doesn't look at. You understand? You're looking at your cumulative life and you're going, I don't like what I am. I don't like what I went through. I don't like it. I don't like it. So I don't like me. God looks at you and he sees your future and says, I love you. I've prepared you. I've equipped you. I've gifted you. I gave my son for you. I love you. He saw us while we were yet dead in trespasses and sin. He can, lo he loves you and you need to love you. You need to see yourself as God sees you. If you don't honor you, no one else will. If you don't respect you, I tell you what, I, I, I can't get into it. I get into other things. Um, people that don't respect themselves, Oh, I can't get into that. I'm on metal. I'll hush up. <laughs> yes. Anyone who walks where I walk, where I am now, I love myself. I'm very proud of myself. And I know that the only way that I'm here is that God kept me in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Seven to nine. Mm-hmm. So I love me. Yes. Because you really can't love anybody until you love yourself. If you, this goes back again to the essence of heart physics. If you don't love yourself, everything that you're doing is trying to build yourself up. So what you're doing for others is really for yourself. It's only until you know that you're okay, that you're totally loved yourself, 
can you then really go love people and do things for people really like God wanted you to do them for? If you're doing things to get things in return back to you, whether it's positive, negative, whatever, either self or remember, the essence of the human being is the establishment of self-worth. Unless a person is born again, their essence, and the problem is most people born again are still after their identity and self-worth because they hadn't gotten into Christ yet. They hadn't renewed their mind. But ever since Adam and Eve, when they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and chose self-righteousness, they, they catapulted our mindset into a world of self-existence. Unless you know you're protected, you'll never go protect somebody else. You won't. You really won't take care of somebody else unless you know you're taken care of. Remember, the scripture says the word is sharper than a two-edged sword, rightly dividing the thoughts and the intents of your thoughts. Why you do what you do. Why you think what you think. That's how important this is. It's just not what we do on the outside, but it's what we do. It, it's why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, we also talked about the circumcision of the heart, how the word is there to circumcise our heart. We just talked about that too with the two-edged sword. A sharp knife is what they use for circumcision. And we need to learn to take the time. Take, take, three, three, take a month, take two months, take whatever time is needed to sanctify yourself. Sanctify means to set apart. Set yourself apart. You may still have to go to work. You may still come to church. You may still do certain things just because of your responsibilities. But in your private time, has anybody got that anymore? <laughs> Take time to have private time and sanct sanctify yourself. Set yourself apart and say, Jesus, here's my heart. Heal my broken heart. Take away the things that shouldn't be there. Allow the, say it out loud. Man, it's like there's so much power to that and so much truth to that to hear yourself say it. You know, I mean, I, I got so caught up in the, the, name, the, the confession message, the positive negative confession message. Uh, I, I was so turned off at the positive confession message uh, and so scared I'd have a negative confession, I didn't confess anything. Well, guess what? Nothing happened. There wasn't any directional change. All, my trans, all, my, the, all the change that happened in my life was by default. Just whatever happened, happened. Does that put me in control? No. It puts everybody, everything around me in control of me. I don't want this world to be in control of me. I'm not going to let circumstance dictate my happiness. Amen. I've decided that I'm going to choose, the, I'm going to do the things that lead me to peace instead of waiting for the world to make just so things get just right before I can be happy. That's what most people do. Well, when the circumstances line up, I'll be happy. Well, any heathen can do that. <laughs> just like we learned tonight, what they call carnal-minded people? Meatheads. Because Meatheads, the word carnal means meat. <laughs> Carnal-minded is a meathead. That's good. I like that. You'll hear that like some more. <laughs> All right. Let's turn into the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to pick up. that. I went over that because we're just picking up where we left off last week because we didn't get done with our session. 
And I say that because I'm used to doing these in a two-hour session. So we're going to continue on. Again, your key for this week is uh, God is a heart God. He is working in my heart. You need to know that, believe that. Uh, that is the, the essence of the word. Uh, there, there's a couple scriptures. We've mentioned them time and time again. But Colosh, uh, it, it says that Christ in me, the hope of glory. Oh, you can get that in you. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Boy, that, that, you, need, that, you know, that's a good thing to do. Write stuff on your mirror, you know, uh, so when you see it, you're seeing yourself. If Just put God's glory. Husbands, take, take your wife's best lipstick that's all shaped just how they like it. I've already been killed for that once. You don't use your wife's, wife's lipstick that's been shaped to their lip. You know what I'm saying? They got, that, they got that thing. You think men's tools are touchy. You take a wife's lipstick and deform that thing, it's over. Uh-uh. That's everybody. Uh-uh. I, 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 never, I never thought lipstick was shaped in a certain way, but oh, I know now. I know now. Come on. They don't even have to put it to their lips. They can when they pick it up. Yep, it's that's light. mine. Yep. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 3. We're going to start with uh, verse 1. Therefore, now what's it mean by therefore? Before. You know what's going to happen after I read this. Before we talk about it, we're going to go back before the therefore. So just get used to that. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear. We talked about this, I think, several months ago about the phobia. That word fear is phobio in the Greek. It's the word that we get phobia from. And we, as we've already talked several months ago, there's several people in here that have phobias about mice. We have phobias about floods and fire. Some people have phobias over things. It's just an in eternal fear that comes from your heart somewhere somehow in your past something's happened it doesn't happen just by chance just oh no something happened to cause you to have a phobia about something in your past and as much as you react to that as soon as if if, if, if a mouse ran across that stage i know where tammy would be if a fire started in one of those bits, that bush was burnt, the bush that burned on fire like with Moses, Jean would be out of here. She'd be gone. She wouldn't wait to see what happened. She's out of here. She has a phobia about those kind of things. If the baptistry would start flooding and water coming down, she'd be gone. She's not going to die by water or fire. Why? She has a phobia. And there's a reason she has that phobia. We talked about that. Something happened to her as a child. Now, something you may not even remember what it was in your life you, you could have heard something being rejected uh, by your parents or your uncle or uh, you could have been abused as a child blocked it out of your memory but you have an in uh, something in you that has created a phobia that you have an instant response when you see something right now let's read this same word here it says this therefore since a promise remains of entering his rest let us fear least what fear God be scared of God no let us have a phobia. Let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. See, I've got a phobia. I've got a passion. I'm passionate about something. And that passion that I have about something is that the body of Christ has not entered the rest of God. That's what this is saying, that we need to have passion. 
about something. A phobia is full of passion. It's full of feeling and emotion. I mean, we need to be passionate about people finding and entering that kingdom or that rest, that place that God has for them of peace and peace in their heart. Despite their circumstances, peace in your heart. We should be passionate about that. Again, it says here, uh, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. What is it? The rest of God. For indeed the gospel, everybody say gospel. I like the gospel because in the book of Romans it says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's powerful. We keep looking for the gospel, you know, being out here. Listen, the gospel is the power of God. Is that rain? Can we say hallelujah? It sounds like rain to me. Oh, come on now. But it says right here that the gospel is the power of God. How close is the power of God in your life? Is that something you have to drum up? Of course, you know what the answer is now. You don't have to pray and fast for the power of God. The power of God is the gospel. It is the good news. How close is the good news? It's right here, but it doesn't mean it's affecting you. If it's in your heart, it's affected you. The power of God can affect you in your heart when you get the gospel in your heart. You will be changed by the power of God when it's in your heart. It doesn't do any good to change the outside. Remember, the children of Israel saw the Red Sea part, manna from heaven, shoes and clothes never wear out, plagues from, uh, they saw protection from, uh, they had all these plagues over here uh, on, on, for their favor against the Egyptians. They saw signs and wonders like the world has never seen. And the scripture says they did not know the ways of God. Now see, in today's world, you've got churches that say, well, we know God's ways. He, he heals, he does this, he does this, he does this, he does this. And they've missed the whole aspect of everything. The children of Israel, well, we know God's ways. He does this, he does this, he does this, he does this. But the Bible says, but they don't know his ways. Why would the Bible say the children of Israel didn't know his ways when they saw his ways? Because oh. his ways are in your heart. But they're not in your heart. Oh, you just come in to join us? Oh, you needed Linda. That's what that was. See, Sandra and the big fancy churches, they got numbers that show up on the screen when the babies are needed in, or mamas are needed in the nursery. We'll have that one day. No, I'm just kidding. Absolutely. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Well, here's two different groups of people. Them and us. Gospel was preached to both of them. It brought the power of salvation, right? What made the difference? Why was there a separation? But the word, everybody say word, word, which they heard, here's a group over here, they, they heard this word and we heard this word, right? The word that they heard, it's the same word, it's the same gospel. They heard the word they did not profit by uh, profit them that word did not the gospel 
the power of God, the very power of God, did not profit them. Now, wait a minute. I thought the Bible says the Word of God does not return void. It doesn't return to God void, but it may not affect your life. So here's a group of people over here, not meaning joy, but over here that heard the gospel, which is the power of God into salvation, but that word or that gospel did not profit them. It was no use to them because they did not mix it with faith in those who heard it. So these people didn't profit by the word because they didn't apply faith. These profited by the word of God because they did mix it with faith. Where is faith? Faith is not in your heart. It's not an agreement. Most people have made mental agreement to the scripture, but that is not faith. Faith is in, is, can only be in the realm of your heart. Now, that's what we're talking about tonight is the condition of your heart that will allow you to believe the word. See, you have faith in your heart one way or the other. Everybody believes something. Faith is believing. Some of us believe that when you hear funny noises on a metal roof, it's raining outside. And because you believe that, you turn and look to see if it's really raining to confirm what you know in your heart to be true. Right? That's a simple analogy. You believe it, so you responded to it. The Word of God. If you believed the Word of God, you would do the same thing. Your outside would respond to what you believe. Most of us, every one of us believes something. See, we all have faith. We're all given. The scripture says every man is given a what? Does it say godly man? It says every man has the ability to believe. And we believe something. What do we believe? See, fear is the belief in a negative. Hope is a belief the very definition of the word hope is a confident expectation of good things to come. The definition of fear is the confident expectation of a negative thing to come. Most believers are more faithful in the area of fear. Most of us have a confident expectation of a negative to come than we do a confident expectation of a good thing to come. It is all still the same process of the heart. Faith. It takes, it takes no more faith to believe in a negative than it does the Word of God. Okay, I'll say it again. It takes no more faith to believe in a negative than it does the Word of God. The Scripture says this, if you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed you can speak to that mountain to be removed and it will move
Turn with me to the book of Hebrews. Just uh, We're staying in Hebrews tonight. In, oh, not I shouldn't say that. <laughs> you know that's not true. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to talk about the condition of the heart. Uh, what causes us to be have more faith with fear than we do hope? Why do we believe in a negative more than a positive? The Bible is going to tell us here. We're going to get down into some issues of the heart. Verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood. Everybody say communion. Is that what not communion is? Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood. He himself likewise. He is in a capital he. That's Jesus. Likewise shared in the same. That through death he, Jesus, might destroy him who had the power of death. And that is the devil. In this passage of scripture we learn that, that Jesus destroyed, everybody say destroyed. <coughs> destroyed the one that had power over death. The devil, everybody say devil. devil. Had, past tense, power over death we're not, we don't have time to get into all that if, if you're here Easter you heard some of that we could get in more later but the scripture says here that Jesus destroyed that word destroyed does not mean like a vampire being touched by sunlight and just disappearing you know how vampires disappear you never seen a vampire disappear just hit them with sunlight and it goes away it just disintegrates in ashes not that kind of destroyed but basically the same type of destroyed mentioned in Colossians where it says 2.15 you want, might want to turn there just to prove just check make sure I'm not telling you something that's not true the scripture says in Colossians 2.15 it says that that, that the principalities and powers the enemy was disarmed that Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers he destroyed their ability to affect us with the weapons that they'd used in the past. He took off their, their toes, disarmed them, made them of no effect toward us. Basically, the word destroyed here in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 literally means rendered them jobless, unemployed, no use, worthless. Took their power away, their effectiveness. Took, Colossians says they disarmed them. Took away their weapons. And Colossians tells us that the law that the, the law that we were given was the weapons they used against us. The very law. Do we need to read that? Turn with me to the book of Colossians. Leave, leave your finger there in Hebrews. Turn to Colossians. Since this is being recorded, we'll just go ahead and read it. Book of Colossians. Chapter 2. Verse 15, let's start with verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and circumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting. Uh-oh, here it is. What did he wipe out? The handwriting of the requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. How did he do it? Having disarmed principalities and powers and made an open spectacle of them triumphing over in it 
Uh, that, that is referring to the Apec Duomai we talked about on Easter. Uh, but anyway, he, he disarmed the principalities by taking away their weapons. The weapons that they used were, was the law and, and, and so forth. So back here in the book of Hebrews, where it says here, it says that uh, verse 15, uh, let's go back and read 14 again. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him. I love that. He destroyed him. Why are we fighting this dude? Why are we giving the devil the time of day? You know why? Because we've heard theology that's honored the devil more than he deserves to be honored. Remember, what affects your life is what you... I have said this for years, and I'll say it again. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you say about the witches' covens in this area. I mean, you may have a great witches' coven in this area, whatever, a real effective occultic whatever. They're saying the same thing about on Alaska, Texas, over there by Lake Livingston. It's all full of... Listen, I don't give them the time of day. You can come up and tell me that they got my picture and a sample of my hair and they're doing all kinds of things around it. I'll give them a dirty pair of underwear. I don't care. I'm not going to, I don't, I don't give them any place. Their spells have no, no effect on me because I, listen, a viper can bite me on the hand. Guess what? I don't honor that. I don't give it place. I, if I accidentally drink a poison, I, I don't honor the power of the poison. The Bible says if you drink poison and get by vipers and get cursed by covens, it's not going to affect you. Why? Because we shouldn't honor it. We shouldn't give it authority. The devil has no... The, it sounds like a roaring... I'm preaching instead of teaching. I'm sorry. But it's just... <laughs> he seems like a... He just seems vicious. He's nothing. He's whipped. He's destroyed. He's a punk. I, just don't give the devil any honor. Don't, you're giving him the honor. Eve at the garden gave the serpent honor by listening to him. She should have just walked away. Some of us sit there and listen to the junk that people, and we've been listening to for years, and they're still telling us the same old stuff that's contrary to the word and we're honoring what they've got to say. We're listening to it. Quit listening to what they're saying about you. You quit listening to yourself. Listen to the Word of God. Begin to honor the Word more than that, and this will affect you more than that. It's your choice. <laughs> okay. Look what it says here. Verse 15. Oh, that he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil and everybody say and. and that's not only did he just didn't destroy the devil the one that had power of death and release those who through fear everybody say fear and where's fear that's in your heart and release those everybody say release, release. what are we talking about we're talking about releasing those. So not only did Jesus destroy the devil, but he released those who 
through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. How many of you have been subject to bondage? A certain way of thinking or a certain way of believing? A stronghold? You know what a stronghold is? Can't you see someone in a prison with the, the chains? And it's a, you can't break loose because of the, the chains of the past. There's a, something stronger than you keeping you back. You may have things in your thought patterns in your heart right now keeping you from breaking free into the freedom which Christ has made us free. Those are called strongholds. But guess what? Not only did Jesus come to destroy the devil, which he did, but he also set free those. What's it say here? And release those who through fear of death. What caused them to be in bondage? Their heart. What was in their heart for all those years caused them to be in fear of bondage? Now, what would you think bondage was? This is going to hurt you so bad tonight. I'm going to love this class so good. <laughs> or what? What do you think would cause bondage? Fear. What would cause fear? <laughs> I don't want you to turn into this because you're not going to believe it. I'm just going to read it and let you figure it out. Galatians 4. <laughs> Verse 23. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. And he of the free woman through promise. Which these things are symbolic. For these are the two covenants the one from Mount Sinai. Everybody say the Ten Commandments. Which gives birth to bondage. Oh, my. Captivity doesn't give birth to bondage. Wait a minute. Captivity gives birth to the bondage on the outside. Paul was in bondage in the prison, wasn't he? Was he in bondage on the inside? Is that what the Bible, is that the bondage? No. Back here in Hebrews, it's talking about the bondage on the inside. And what gives birth to the bondage? Galatians 4. 24 which things are symbolic for these are the two covenants the one from Mount Sinai which gives birth to bondage which is Hagar the flesh the law working on the outside 
when you live a life, when you believe in your heart that what you do on the, and what you don't do on the outside determines your future, you are in bondage for the rest of your life on this planet. It doesn't matter who, what, when, or where you are. If you believe who you are is determined by this, you're in bondage to this. And there is a fear that is birthed in you because of that bondage. You have a fear that you're going to fail it. You're going to have a fear that you're not going to measure up. You have a fear that you'll never live up to your daddy's daddy's opinion. You'll have a fear that you'll never do what you're called to do because you failed so much in the past. You won't even start businesses because you failed as a lawnmower boy back when you started eight years old. You failed at your paper route so often. You quit. You were told you were no good. and You, how, you were told you were a failure. How many times were you told you were no good because of what you didn't get done? Do you think you went all your life and that never affected you? Who do you think you are? Some of us are so afraid of failing again, we won't even try today. We stay just like we are. Some of you are so scared of failure that you won't even listen to the CD. As simple as that is. It's proven fact, 10% of the people that go to a self-improvement or to a, to a conference or church thingy, 10% of the people there will buy something that will do them some good in the future. 10% of those will listen to what they buy, read what they bought. Everybody else is chicken. Everybody else is satisfied with just the way things are. What, what happens when the world changes those things? You'll just have to adjust and get satisfied. Well, that's just the way things are. It goes back to the, the law of first mention. God told man to subdue and take charge. To subdue and take charge. And multiply. Replenish. Take care of this planet. Take care of the garden. I tell you what, there, this right here, there is, there is a literal fear in our hearts that was caused by the law on the outside. God said he was going to write his law on the... You don't have the Ten Commandments written on the inside. You have two laws written on the inside. Love God with all your heart and your neighbors yourself. And all the laws are fulfilled in that. Mm. This is too powerful. This is powerful stuff. It says right here that the law gives birth to bondage. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3 it says that the law's ministry was condemnation. That the law had another ministry, it was called death. Mm. It still astonishes me that I ever. I used to teach. Then I want to tell you what I used to teach. Back to the book of Hebrews. 
What time is it? Okay, thank you. I would wear my watch, but it'd always be the time I started. <laughs> my favorite watch. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, who does, for indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. It's a powerful passage of scripture. Go ahead and uh, look down here at verse 4 in chapter 3. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence. Everybody say confidence. I'll read it again. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are. We are the house of Christ, right? If we hold fast the confidence. So number one, there has to be an attitude, an atmosphere of confidence in the believer. Just not the house, but in the believer. The believers, if you believe, there is going to be confidence in your character. Confidence in the way you are. Uh, you're not going to be moved by the things on the outside because you're more moved by the things on the inside. You're more moved by the Word of God. If you honor the Word of God more than... If you honor this report, you're not going to honor that report. You understand what I'm saying? The world has a report. Which report are you going to believe? But Christ is a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Now, we've got to look at this. One thing about the Greek language, sometimes it makes more sense in English if you read it backwards. You can't rejoice unless you understand the hope. The hope produces the rejoicing. You understand what I'm saying there? You're not going to rejoice and then understand the hope. When you understand the hope, it's going to cause you to what? Rejoice. When that hope is in you, matter of fact, in Hebrews uh, 6, turn to Hebrews 6 real quickly. I believe it's Hebrews 6. Yes, verse 18, by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge and lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope, see, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. That if you can get a hold of the hope, the confident expectation of good things to come, if you can get a hold of it in your heart, if you can pluck out the seeds of fear, here, here it is, in a nutshell. 
you have, we have fear in our life because of the law we've lived under. The more law you live under, the more afraid you are you're going to break one of them. Simple. That fear has caused you to lose confidence because you've broken one. The more you break it, the more fearful you are of not being able to live under them. And you lose hope. That puts you into bondage to the, just not the law, but what that law produces. It produces a system of failure in your life. Now, if you were one of those few people that had never broken any of the laws of the land and laws of God, you'd be able to be able to raise your hand. I'm not scared. I know I can do it. See, the, the parable of the, or when the rich man came up, the, the rich young ruler came up to Jesus and said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus turned around and gave him four of the Ten Commandments. You realize that? He didn't give him ten. Four. Why didn't Jesus give him ten? <laughs> Jesus gave him the four that Jesus knew that he had obeyed. How do we know that? Because he said, all these I have done. Jesus knew he had obeyed all those. How come he didn't run away and say, ah, I have eternal life right then and there? Because, see, inside that man, he still says that, now, what else is there? Because, see, there was still an internal fear because he was living under the law. There was a fear in his heart. There was something else he was still missing. Jesus said, go sell your stuff, give it to the poor. And he walked away and he couldn't do it. That's not one of the Ten Commandments. Is that a requirement for salvation? But see, it was a law that Jesus was telling him and he knew he couldn't do it. That he was going to break the law. Even though he thought he had lived it up to it. See, if you have a fear of the law, you're going to break them. There's going to be a law somewhere you're going to mess up on. It's going to create a fear in you that's going to keep you into bondage from living in the gospel. The gospel is the power of God. See, all of our lives, the law has affected us, put us in a place of where, where fear is the... Does anybody know anybody that's more positive than they are negative? Very few people are more positive than they are negative because their life is based on a fear because of the law. God wants to reverse that around. He wants to get rid of that. That's just flesh. Circumcision of the heart is cutting away the flesh. That way of stinking thinking. We've got to change the way we think. The only way you're going to change the way you think is change what you believe about yourself on the inside. Change what governs your life. Law does not govern your life. God's love governs, governs your life. Amen? Matter of fact, it says, let the peace of God rule your heart. That's what governs your life. The scripture says, I'm going to say, let the peace of God, does it say the Ten Commandments? The Bible says, let the peace of God. What's the word rule mean? Govern. Take control of. You have to honor the peace of God. More than the Ten Commandments.
I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of this in, in chapter 6. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. What does an anchor do? It keeps you stable. On one, it keeps you on a honey hole when you're fishing. When you're out there on Whittemore Creek, and you're in your little boat, and you've got one little brush pile, and on, that, on this side of the brush pile, the crappies are biting, and on this side they're not, and you're right there, and you, that anchor will keep you right on top of the honey hole. Or, in a storm, you can take your, your boat away from the shore, anchor it out, and it'll keep you from drifting in the storm, and keep you sure and steadfast. Where? And which enters the presence behind the veil. What presence? Hope will keep you in the presence of God. It'll keep your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, your will. It'll keep your emotions stable. We have a whole teaching we've done in the past on, on emotional stability. It should be a Christian. It should be a, an example of the church. The church should be an example of emotional stable people. Do we see that? <laughs> we won't go there. Because of the hope that's in our heart, we should be the most stable emotional people on the planet. We should be happier than anybody else in this world. We should have more confidence about the future, despite what's going on. Wow. Back over here to Hebrews. We were in Hebrews chapter 3. We just finished with verse 6. But Christ the Son over His own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end. Verse 7, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your what? Where was the problem? The children of Israel hardened their heart. It goes on and says, Do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. A hard heart led to rebellion. This is talking about when the spies came back from the promised land. Ten said, everybody do this. Ten said, don't go. Bad report, we're grasshoppers, they're giants, we're going to get our kicked. Two said, oh, go, it's great. Just like God said, they, they said back what God said at first. They responded. They, they heard the captain's call. They said back exactly what God had said, trying to get that reality to come to pass. How many spies came back? Twelve. Two said good. Ten said bad and led them to another called rebellion and another 40 years of bondage in the wilderness. How many Ten Commandments are there? <laughs> if they couldn't have got that one, I don't, I don't, how many Eleven Commandments are there? <laughs> how many Ten Commandments are there? How many spies gave a negative report that led them into bondage? How many spies came back and said two? Oh, excuse me. How many two spies came back and said go? It's just like God said. Huh? 
True and false. Multiple choice here, darling. You're going to get one of them right, buddy. All of the above. The disciples said, I said, the, 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 the people came up to Jesus and said, how, come, how, many, how many commandments did Jesus say there were? Two. Love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Here's another little nitpick for you. Back in the story, back in the in ages, back when the law, back when the law first came to be, the Ten Commandments came down. There was a little rebellion going on, and God opened up the ground and swallowed three thousand children of Israel because the law showed up, and three thousand children of Israel were destroyed in an instant. The moment the law showed up. You ready for this? I got to take my glasses off. How many people were brought into the kingdom the moment Pentecost showed up? 3,000 were added to the church the moment Holy Ghost and kingdom, absence of law, showed up. Do you think it's by accident? 3,000 were taken away because of the law. 3,000 were added because of liberty and love. That's some good preaching right there. Now, I don't care what y'all got to say, but that's in the Bible, okay? <laughs> that's good. That'll send, you, that, that'll send you just, you think about that now. The law, the ministry of the law is what? Death and condemnation. Look at Christina back there. She's got goosebumps all the way up to her shoulder. She's a rough. Get down, goosebumps. Down, goosebumps. <laughs> Either that or Dylan's tickling her one. All right. Let's keep going here real quickly. Uh, verse 8. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their... And they have not known my ways, even though they saw them. Mm. Even though they saw them. What did they see? They saw the earth swallow 3,000 of their own. They saw the wrath of God. They saw positive and negative about God. And actually, it wasn't, you know, nowhere in there is mentioned the devil in the Old Testament. It's God that they were afraid of. <laughs> and you need to realize, God says here, even in all they saw, they didn't know his ways because those really weren't his ways. That was the ways of the law. For God so that he gave. <clears throat> There's so much in the word, we just like, here it is. We're just reading the word. 
Verse 9, Where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works forty years, therefore I was angry with that generation. And they said they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you uh, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from a living God, but exhort one another daily. How can you exhort one another weekly? Is that what it says? Uh-oh. That means we should have fellowship with everybody as often as we can. Exhorting them. Building them up in the Word. We should be fellowshipping. Every time there's a chance for the doors to be open, just not here, but in uh, what, what, it wasn't but 20, you know, 30 years ago, there was home fellowships. People meeting in the home. Today, you don't, it's like, uh-uh, don't come to my house. Uh-uh. I'll put a gate up. I like that gate. Uh-uh. I don't know the code. I forgot. Greg's got that code. I don't know what it is. He changes that code all the time. I have to admit, I kind of like it. <laughs> you know, no one can sneak up on me. <laughs> That's not good. Yeah, you know. But exhort one another daily while it is called today. Least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. What hardens your heart? Sin. What causes sin? Actually, the scripture says the law gives power to sin. The Bible literally says law gives power to sin. The less law you have, the less power of sin is going to be affecting you. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our... Everybody say confidence. Well, there's a theme running through this passage of Scripture here, isn't it? Confidence! While it is said, Today, if you'll hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And it goes right back down here into verse 1, chapter 4. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, let us fear, let us have a phobia about it, let's have passion about it. Least any of you seem to have come short of it, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to... Stop right there. Which them are we talking about? This is talking about in the days of the rebellion. The good news was preached to everyone. Some mixed it with faith and some didn't. Our hearts are conditioned not to take in a good report. Let, let me just see a hand, just a raise of hands. I want everybody to raise your hand if it applies to you. Do you have trouble when someone gives you a compliment? Raise your hand. Don't shake your head. I said <laughs> raise your hand. Your heart is conditioned to receive a negative because you're not receiving a positive. If I told you that you were a terrible secretary. You don't know what you're doing. Your typing is pathetic. <laughs> and you make bad coffee. No, you don't. 
that would affect you greatly than if I said, you're doing a great job. We, we, receive, we will let a negative affect us more than we'll let a positive. We shun compliments. A lot of us shun positives about ourselves. Why? Because we're honoring the negatives. You know, you know how you know. Good thing you start. One of the things you start doing is start receiving the compliments, yeah. and just say thank you. Just say thank you. Well, absolutely. Every time you watch the news, what do you watch? Negative. <laughs> thank you. That's good. But why do we hear more negatives? You'd be surprised. And if they hear too much good about what's going on in life, they're going to do something about it to make it not come to pass in your life. Because they don't want you to be happy and them to be sad. Why? Because they're jealous that they're not as valuable as you are. Yeah, that's coming from the corporate. That's coming from the corporate world right there now. We, we knew how to get what we wanted. <laughs> you just lied. You told them how good they were. You're the apple of his eye. You'll, you'll special kind of, treasure. You'll, you'll kind of let it go just to here, and then it'll bounce off. You'll never let it get here. Matter of fact, everybody in here, if this applies, whoever this applies to, need to go home tonight in your quiet time before you lay your head on a pillow by yourself. God, forgive me for not receiving what they were saying about you in me. God, forgive me for not receiving what they were seeing of you in me. Do I need to say it again? Put it in your own words, Christine. No. <laughs> God, forgive me for not receiving what they're seeing in you. How did I say it? In, in me. I said it twice. They're seeing God in you, and you're rejecting it. You're just solidifying your past, your old man. Come on. Come on. It's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. That we're supposed to put off the old man and put on the... Well, let them see the new man. I hope they come up to you, man, you have just changed. There's something about you. I don't know what it is. You're still on, you're still this, you're, but there's something about your countenance has changed. You just seem to be more confident. Oh, man, someone tells you you're confident, go, thank you. I received that.
Because if you say, no, I don't receive that, you're not honoring it. Guess what? It's not going to affect you. Amen? Amen? Let's stand up. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we've given you to, that you've given us to open the Word, your Word. I thank you that, that you're making your Word so clear. Scriptures that we've read for years, we've seen time and time again. I thank you, Father, that in my life they are coming alive. They are becoming real. I see them differently than I've ever seen them before. Father, I thank you that you are bringing scriptures from your word to confirm one another. And it's so simple and so easy. Father, I thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. I thank you that you are writing on our hearts your will and your way. Father, I thank you that you are performing in us your will. I thank you, Father, you've given us a place called rest that we can go into and have confidence that your word is working in us. I thank you, Father, that you're working on my heart every day. I thank you, Father, that as tonight when I lay my head down on the pillow, that you're continuing to work in me. Holy Spirit, we give you authority to work on us tonight. However you see fit, we welcome dreams, we welcome visions. Speak to us. Build us up daily. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.